Hello and welcome back to The Pit and the Paddock. My name is Beck and this is a podcast all about motorsport for those and by me uh, who are brand new to the world of motorsports. Um, a lot has been happening. It's been three or four weeks since I've done one of these. I've been doing a lot. I've been sick. I went to Adelaide to see the supercars. Um, just life, you know, life, the universe and everything. But I'm back. Uh, I'm making an episode, so that's all I can do. <laughs> um, the FIA has done some questionable stuff, especially in the last kind of three days. Um, I was con- contemplating discussing that, but to be honest with you, more stuff is going to happen from them, and I don't really want to get into it right now. I'm quite annoyed I'm quite angry and I will not be able to verbalize what I want to say in an effective manner to get my point across if I am to do that now so instead I decided to ask my sisters and um, ask you guys on TikTok um, what questions you have or what you would have liked to know if when you were first getting into Formula One um, I am going to basically just go through those and answer them and if any more come up then we will I'll, I can do another um, episode like this um, I think for kind of until pre-season testing starts I'm going to be going through um, and doing like the basic basics of not just F1 I'm going to try and get a few of the other motorsports um, in as well like MotoGP, I might do about supercars, um, IndyCar, just F- F2, F3 as well, just to really kind of get the foundations down for people that want to know this kind of stuff. I mean, if you don't want to know, that's all good. Um, I get it. Sometimes people just want to watch sport and learn what they have to while watching it, and that's as far, but I like to know as much as possible about everything, um, yeah. So let's get into it, I guess. So the first question I received was, how do the start positions work? So on a race weekend, there's two or three practice sessions. There is a qualifying session and then there is the race day. This coming year, 2023, there's also going to be six sprint races, but we're just going to ignore them for now. On a normal non-sprint weekend, you during the qualifying session, there's Q1, Q2 and Q3. Q1, all 20 drivers take part in, um, basically trying to put in the fastest lap that they can to make it through to Q2. The bottom five, the slowest five drivers get knocked out and whatever time they've put in, in that bottom five is where they're starting. So say Nick DeVries um, does like a 122 and that puts him in P18. That means he's knocked out. He does not get through to the second qualifying, but it means for the race, he is starting in P18. Now, the top 15 drivers go through to Q2, and again, you try and put in your fastest lap time, 
um, and then the bottom five again get knocked out but wherever they finish is what their starting position will be and then um, the top 10 go into Q3 and basically you're from there you're trying to finish in as close to P1 as possible um, everyone goes everyone can go at once there isn't a specific you get five minutes you get five minutes um, the qualifying session is kind of just a free-for-all you obviously if you are going on kind of um, a slow lap or an out lap you need to make sure that you are not in the way of people on their fast or flying lap you can be penalized if you are in the way if you don't move out of the way um, and yeah basically just try and make sure that everyone gets through and that you're not hitting anyone you're not getting in the way of anyone now with this if there is an accident if there is say a red flag the session can be stopped sometimes it will be restarted but that's dependent on how much time is left of the qualifying session now um obviously if it's like a yellow flag it generally won't stop um but yeah it, it kind of really depends um the qualifying in total like q1 q2 and q3 altogether generally lasts a little bit over an hour um they I believe each qualifying session, so Q1, Q2, and Q3, they all last for about 18 minutes. So you have those 18 minutes to go as fast as possible. A lot of people will kind of sit in the in the garage for a little bit longer, um, make sure that everything is fine, everything's been looked at and working out properly. Um, and then you have some situations like with KMAG this year, um, who he was the first person in Brazil he was the first in line to go out for qualifying um, and he ended up getting pole position because qualifying um, it got red flagged and then it was raining so then wet tires had to be put on so it was a lot slower for everyone else so there is a bit of luck to it but most of it is just that hard work of putting in the fastest lap possible the next question I got is why are there multiple days for each event? So as I mentioned before, there is generally three practice sessions, um, a qualifying and then a race day. Um, say the Thursday, so the Friday is generally um, practices one and two. The Saturday is generally practices, practice three and then qualifying. And then the Sunday is race day. Now, of course, you do have situations um, like a weekend with a sprint race. So for the sprint races, say on the Friday, you have practice one and then qualifying. Saturdays, you would have the second practice and then the sprint. And then the Sunday, you would have the um, main race. So the Friday qualifying is to find out and set the grid for the sprint race 
and then however you finish the sprint race is how you qualify for the Grand Prix for the Sunday main race um, this adds a, like a little bit of interest because some cars are much better at sprint races than others um, the sprint race is generally a hundred kilometers um, so it's significantly shorter than the main race and also you don't there's no pitting requirements for the sprint race so you if you are to pit during the sprint most likely you have lost the the, the race not likely to be able to get back into a good position but that's okay not everyone can win i suppose um the next question is so it's kind of a two-parter is who are the fun villains and then who are the assholes in my eyes everyone is kind of a fun villain um when they disobey team orders in the sense of say um let's use sebastian vettel against mark weber multi 21 i think that was such like a fun villain moment because especially with the younger drivers the ones who are just coming through they i like seeing the self how selfish they can be of course then you have the situations where you ignore team orders like max and checo this year which i think was an asshole move but at the end of the day i mean it doesn't particularly matter um but the fun, i think um fernando is a very very fun villain i think that that man does not care for anyone else he cares only about himself and i think it makes him very enjoyable to watch i think he even um at, in like his original mclaren days i think he is so entertaining to watch he is ruthless he is incredible um and then you have assholes like uh nico rosberg um am i just saying that because i dislike him immensely yes potentially i am um you have assholes like um let's say um mazepin um just an asshole just like as a human being an asshole um i don't really think many of the like quote-unquote villains are assholes i think a lot of them is just them proving themselves proving their worth proving how great they are as drivers and i think that nine times out of ten they can see that the team is kind of messing them over and they just want to show that first of all you they don't like that but also that it's not necessary because they are a great driver also um i yeah there's very few drivers that i don't like if we are taking it out off taking away everything off the grid if it is just the driver as they are driving and that's it i would say that the main arsehole would be nico rosberg 
um, and that a lot of the greats, such as Seb, Max, um, even Lewis, they were definitely assholes. They definitely made bad team decisions, but they made the right selfish decisions. And I don't think that should be looked down upon necessarily. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's a very nuanced situation that I quite honestly don't want to get into because everyone has their own opinions about it. And everyone has a point. Like everyone, every kind of opinion that everyone has most of the time about all of it, everyone makes some very, very good points. So it is kind of a, you get to decide for yourself. But yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. So the next question is essentially how do you get into um, professional racing? So the FIA, which is the governing body of um, all motorsports, well, most motorsports, have a pathway that's designed to help progress from go-karting to Formula One. Um, this was only developed in 2014. Um, but it has a tiered structure and each kind of series, the cars are more and more powerful. Um, so obviously you're go-karting, a lot of people from go-karting will enter into say like a Formula Renault or um, like a, a junior series Formula team. Um, there's so the first tier I guess is Formula 4 um, it's the first stage of the pathway it's for 15 people 15 and older and it's got uh, like national classifications so I believe that a lot of different areas will have their own Formula 4 um, because it is a national championship all the cars are, I believe, the same, um, and some of them encompass a few different countries, but some of them don't. The next stage is Formula Regional, um, and it, again, the cars are a little bit more um, powerful. Um, again, there's regions, so there's the Formula Regional Asian Championship, Americas, European, Japanese, and Indian. Um, and then essentially from there, um, I, it's kind of like you perform really well, you get looked at by the um, next tier, um, by the teams there. With a lot of these, um, mainly before Formula One, but inclusive as well, um, it's all quite dependent on your finances as well. If you can afford to go to that next level, if you have the sponsorships to afford going to that next level, if you can afford the repairs, if you bring enough money and sponsorships with you to a team, you're going to get looked at a lot better. You also need to be able to afford, um, if you don't live in Europe mainly, you need to be able to afford to move to Europe, to England, to France, to Italy. Um, because that is kind of where the teams are based out of most of the time. Um, say, 
yeah it's you need to be able to afford the lifestyle which is why you will find that a lot of drivers not all of them but a lot of them come from families who are quite well off um you it, it's very very expensive um you will have obviously people who are like your Estepan Ocons whose family literally gave up next to everything to be able to get him what he needed to be able to race to be able to prove himself and get the sponsorships he needed to be able to afford to keep racing in carts and to take the next step into the cars um, it's a very very expensive sport it's quite an exclusive sport which is why a lot of the Formula 2 drivers are reserve and or test drivers for the Formula 1 teams. Um, you have, say, Nick DeVries, who appears to have been the reserve driver for nearly every single Formula 1 team in the last few years. He, yeah. So it's kind of, you just keep going until you don't progress any further. Um, because there are only realistically 20 f1 seats not everyone most people aren't going to make it so a lot of people will just stay in formula 2 a lot of people will be in formula 2 for a few years they might realize there's no pathway for them into formula 1 and they might decide to change sports a lot of people go to indycar or nascar um, it's quite dependent upon each person obviously this also isn't the only way to get into formula one um there's many many other pathways you don't have to go f4 f3 f2 f1 um you can do f3 and then go somewhere else you can do f3 f2 and then go somewhere else um people like uh liam lawson he has done f3 f2 and now he's going to super formula in um japan you have people like Marcus Armstrong who has been in F2, F3 for a little while. He's going to do IndyCar next year. There's a lot of other ways to get into F1. Um, a lot of people tend to do a few years in F3 and F2 and then go to the other kind of areas of motorsport just to get more experience. Um, if they find that it's a bit more difficult to get into an F1 seat, even to get in as a reserve driver, as it has been these last few years, it's a nice way to get a different sort of strength. Um, and it means that if they want to, they can return, they can try and get into F1, they may be sought out by an F1 team to join them. But it means that they can start making a name in a different mode of sport obviously super formula is still within that same formula one formula two formula three realm but it's just another pathway to kind of make your name and make an impact um the next question is how far and how fast do people go so the tracks are all different lengths um and there's meant to be an overall kind of circuit length but it yeah it kind of depends because obviously not all of them are going to be are going to fit exactly um but you're meant to kind of 
do your best so ideally you have like so say you have the Alba Park circuit um that's that's 5.278 kilometers around the circuit but then you also have say um Bahrain International Circuit which is 5.412 we have Baku which is 6.003 so they are all very very different lengths Spa is 7 kilometers um Paul Ricard is 5.84 um they're all very very different now the race has to be at least 305 kilometers but it again because all of the tracks are such different lengths um a lot of them will go over 305 kilometers but most of the time their final lap will be 305 plus so it means that they are hitting that but not as not exactly so say um spa in belgium is a 7.004 kilometer track you only need to do 44 laps but then you have monaco which is 3.337 kilometers so you need to do 78 laps so it it varies a lot um yeah it, it really it really varies a lot um how far they travel and how f like how far the the laps are now in terms of how fast again it depends on the track some tracks are much faster than others um some tracks are much much slower you can't really go as fast around monaco as you can around monza um or coda you can go much faster around coda than you can monaco it again depends on the corners it depends on how many straights there are it depends on a lot of stuff the next is does the red car really go faster um judging off the last kind of eight years no no it does not it is <laughs> not super slow it's not the slowest but it's definitely not the fastest um that's all i'm gonna say about that red does not equal fastest uh <coughs> pardon me the next one is who are the next big drivers now again this kind of varies each person will have their own opinion personally i think that lando is going to be one of the next big drivers and George I think the two of them especially are I mean George is in a Merc now which is great because he's getting the opportunity to show how good he is I think that Lando making the decision to stay with McLaren could be a very good decision because they seem to be getting better kind of each year obviously this year wasn't great but they do he seems to be improving each year with them um i would love to see him at a different team though personally um 
I think that Felipe, when he gets into a permanent seat, I think that he will be next to unstoppable. Um, I don't think Nick, I think Nick DeVries, who's in Alpha Tauri for 23, I think that he will do very, very well. I am unsure about if he will stay with Red Bull. I feel like he may move. Um, obviously not immediately, but I don't think that he will stay with Red Bull or with AlphaTauri. Um, unless, of course, Checo retires. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure about that. And I feel like, and I know this is kind of controversial, kind of not, I think Mick Schumacher can be one of the next big stars I think that he has been absolutely fucked over these last two years with Haas um I know people have been saying but he underperformed against K Mag who was in the same car as him like I get that but you have to remember he Mick has had the pressure of Haas kind of expecting a lot from him because he's a Schumacher and because he dominated F2, F3. So I think that when he gets into a team who has a lot of knowledge of doing well in races, I think that he will find that he's able to develop much better and he won't be as, he won't have as many kind of DNFs or bad results as he did these last two years. But that is just me. Um, now, um, the next question, I won't lie, I'm kind of into, um, it asks who are kind of like previous, like second place, um, championship winners, um, like second and third place championship winners. Now, I don't know if it'll actually give it to me, um, but I quite like that question um because I think that you know we know a lot of who the winners are we know who are kind of like we know who the winners are we don't necessarily always remember who has come second or who has performed incredibly well I know that Seb came second a few times I know that Kimmy came second a few times I know that um, uh, Charles has come second obviously um, Lewis came second uh, Daniel came third one year it's it's an interesting question and then kind of one of the last questions I'll put these two together probably is how do you learn about the drivers and the teams and then also how do you decide who to support and do you stay with them so I have learned about the drivers and the teams basically through googling everything um, drive to survive obviously um, following their social media accounts following fans of the sport who have the same kind of morals as me um, so I follow a lot of people who would have the same politics that I have um, that kind of enlighten me, enlightens me about who, which teams fit best with what I would believe in and alongside that which drivers 
fit in best with what I believe in. Um, and then, so personally, I have not chosen a team as such. I have chosen a few drivers, um, kind of that I will support. But I'm using one of the TikTok filters um, in the new year to decide who my number one driver will be for 2023 because I just, I cannot pick. Um, I, I can't pick. It's just too difficult for me. I enjoy most of them equally. So I just, I can't pick a, a team or an individual to support wholeheartedly. So I'm going to let the filter decide for me. Um, but people are very passionate about the teams. Um, they are very, very passionate about staying with that team. Um, a lot of people that I see on social media, they may support a team, but they may support a driver more. So say um, there may be someone who supports Ferrari, but they might support Mick Schumacher. So say Mick was to get a, a seat in Mercedes in 2024, um, they, they'll they still be a Ferrari supporter, but they'll be a Mick Schumacher supporter first. Um, so it really is dependent on kind of each person and whether they'd rather a team or an individual. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm undecided about that yet. But we shall see. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. I will maybe talk to you next week. I might not. I might take another four weeks off. Unlikely, but possible. Um, check out the socials, um, The Pit in the Paddock on TikTok and on Instagram, and The Pit in the Paddock Pod on Twitter. And yeah, thank you very much. Bye. Bye.